Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We're starting a new chapter and uh, I, while the kids were at camp, I was going over uh, the calendar and looking at how to divide up the lesson and I said, oh boy, I think we can get the Sermon on the Mount done by our missions conference. And then I started preparing tonight's lesson and uh, it's not going to happen. We're only going to get through two words tonight, but we're not even going to get through those uh, because we're only going to look at one aspect of these two words. And uh, we, um, these here are some of the most um, misused words in all the Bible. And as we go to Matthew chapter 7, we cannot forget, we cannot make a, uh, a, uh, a break here because it is connected to chapter 6. What are we to be doing with our Christian lives? Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God's going to take care of providing the things that we need for life And we are not supposed to worry, take no thought there for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for its the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, there are several things people like to waste their lives doing. The first thing they like to waste their life doing is thinking of, how it's going to be when we finally get there. Dreaming of the future. I've heard people say, where there is no vision, the people perish. And they say, you need to have a vision. You need to have forethought. You need to have goals. You need to see into the future. They don't read the other half of the verse. The vision that is spoken about in that verse is not some thought. It's not... Uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. It's he that loveth thy law. You see, that's where you get your vision. Amen? People waste their lives dreaming about the future, good and bad. You ever wonder where communism came from? It came from a madman dreaming about the way things ought to be instead of the things, the way things were. And I use the word mad as insane because only an insane man could allow his children to starve in his own home while he is writing thousands and thousands of pages about how wonderful everything would be if only everybody loved each other and provided each other's needs. Uh, That's why communism can never work. It's the ravings of a madman. It has no basis in reality or fact. And that's why Jesus tells us, listen, don't spend your life worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. Most of the time we, we take this and we understand, yeah, let's not worry about all the bad things that are going to happen. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have wasted time worrying about what our president is going to do to us. Okay? We're disobeying Scripture when we do that. 
Now, we had a few honest hands. If everyone was honest, almost everybody's hand would go up because we're, we're worried about those things. Now, wait a minute. What's it say? Don't worry about it. But just as bad. Just as wrong. I, I used to sit and I used to have a lot of thoughts on what things would be like when I finally became a preacher. By the time I woke up, I'd already been one for several years and realized that's all our people were going to get. And so I better get busy being the little bit of a preacher that I can be instead of trying to figure out what it would be when we have a thousand people. Uh, let's get a hundred first. Amen. And don't look at me that way. We've all done the same thing now, haven't we? Don't waste your life worrying about the future. That's chapter 6. Now, the next thing you don't waste your life in doing, trying to figure out all the problems in everyone else's life. Now, this illustration I'm about to use is very dangerous. And so be very patient with me and hear me out here. How many of you have met someone that is insane? I mean, mentally imbalanced. I mean, in and out of the hospitals. And I mean, big problems. Chances are, if you live in New York City, you've met someone like this because somewhere about 12-15% of the population is under some type of psychiatric treatment. But here's the point I'm trying to make. They know everything that's wrong with your life. Now, I'm getting some heads going up and down. I'm getting some others that are saying, what do you mean, Pastor? If you've met someone and you have close dealings with someone who is really mentally unstable, the subject of the conversation is going to be the problems in your life. They know everything that is wrong with your life. I learned that the hard way. I got a phone call one day. Pastor, I know you're having problem with sin in your life. Oh, really? Who have you been talking to? just blindsided me. Then I got another call from somebody who knew that person and said, so-and-so called you, didn't they? I said, yeah. And they probably told you a lot of crazy things, didn't they? Yeah, well, you need to know that that person's crazy. Oh, okay, I get the picture, I thought, until I sat down at a table at the VA hospital down here in lower Manhattan. And this man had spent hundreds of dollars of his sister's money by calling her collect from payphones. He called her up and said, I'm over on the west side. I'm going to commit suicide. I'm jumping in the Hudson River. And she said, don't do that. Please don't do that. She said, can you see the next payphone? And he said, yeah, yeah, I can see it. It's a block away. He said, I'm going to walk you to the VA hospital. She spent hundreds of dollars 
walking her insane brother payphone to payphone to the VA hospital so he could check in. Then she calls and said, I don't know if you can help my brother, but please go visit him. And so I went down to visit him and I called his name and we were sitting there and uh, I said, can I open my Bible and share some of God's word with you? He says, you're crazy. I said, is that so? He says, anybody that believes the Bible is crazy. I was a little wiser this time and had gotten a little more information here. And I just looked at him and I said, so the Bible is crazy. He said, God and all that stuff, it's all crazy. You're insane. I said, could I just suggest something to you? He said, sure. I said, I get to go home. You're the one that's locked up in here. I'm not trying to kill myself. I have a wonderful life and I'm enjoying it every day. Wouldn't you think that maybe you are the one that has a few problems? And that was about the end of our conversation. Now I want to ask you a question. How many of you want to act like an insane person? Good. No hands went up. There's usually always one. I was waiting for Phillips. But he was listening. You cannot waste your life worrying about what might or might not happen or dreaming of all the great things you're going to accomplish in the future. Here's the bridge between chapter 6 and chapter 7. There really isn't one. The next point is, you cannot waste your time judging other people's lives. Now, this passage does not say you have no right to name sin in people's lives. So I've heard... Uh, uh, does anybody know who Charles Swindoll is? He's the president of uh, Dallas Theological Seminary now. I don't know how someone that doesn't even believe baptism is necessary in the Christian life. He's evangelical free. You can sprinkle, dunk, immerse, whatever floats your boat. And he's the president of a Baptist which, uh, which Dallas Theological is a Baptist seminary. Now, that tells me that it's not a Baptist seminary anymore. But he wrote a book on grace. And he said, it's not my job as a pastor to warn people of sin in their lives. That is grace. If God doesn't tell them smoking is wrong... Mayor Bloomberg will do it. No, I'm sorry. Uh, he, Mayor Bloomberg hadn't done that yet. He, he said, the Holy Spirit will tell them that that is wrong. And if the Holy Spirit never convicts them that that is wrong, then it's okay for them to continue in that behavior. Let, let me tell you something. The problem with cigarette smoking is not what our mayor believes the problem with cigarette smoking is. The biggest problem with smoking cigarettes is not all the damage that it can do to your body and, and uh, everyone else's. The biggest problem is 
What is cigarette smoking attached to? Every vice known to mankind. Cigarette smoking is a dirty thing. It's attached to dirty things. I mean, the gunslinger in the old western, the guy with the black hat, he comes out of the bar ready to kill somebody smoking a cigarette. There's just attachments there. It will hinder your ability to tell others about the goodness of Jesus Christ. That is sin. Amen? This verse, it says, judge not. And we'll get into that. has nothing to do with telling people the difference between right and wrong. How are people to know what the difference between right and wrong is if they can't go to church and hear someone open a Bible and call sin, sin? Amen? In fact, you go to most churches today and they don't preach on sin. They don't mention it. We don't want to offend anyone. Well, listen, I'm not here to offend you. But I certainly don't want to have to stand before God and have Him say, Why didn't you tell people what my word says? I'm not going to do that for anybody by God's grace. Amen? Now, when it says judge not, this is what Jesus means. And we'll go to several, three other passages and hopefully we'll get through these three tonight. In fact, we could, uh, I was looking through the records when we get to the last one, Romans 10, Romans chapter 14. I think we spent three weeks on the book of Romans going through those same verses that we're going to try to get through in about 15 minutes tonight. So, uh, tuck in your, uh, or fasten your seatbelts actually there and, and, but let's go to James chapter 2, and let's start there. Now, there's a lot of things we're not to judge. We are not to judge a person based on their economic status, upon their appearance, uh, upon anything that is outward. We're not supposed to judge people. If someone walks through those doors and wants to be a part of a service, they ought to be treated just like anybody else. Amen? How many laws has the world passed saying, this place of employment is no respecter of, the, of race, creed, now they're getting a little further now. Now sinful orientation is now not supposed to be judged. But we're just trying to do what Jesus said, judge not. Well, listen, if someone walks through those doors and wants to be a part of the services, we want them to have a part. Amen? If they're unsaved, we, our prayer is that they'll get saved. If they're in sin, where else are they going to get it fixed? Amen? But if someone walks through those doors and says, I think I need to be the preacher today, Pastor Montoro, you sit down, let me have a shot at it. Uh, 
they're going to find out that they're not very welcome around here. Because that's not how God set up order in His church. Amen? And so, let's look here. It says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also in a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Now, I could spend all night right here. I had a preacher set me down years ago and said, now listen, Pete, here you've got to understand something. Building a church is simply this. It's marketing. Is that not just what was preached against in God's Word? Are we supposed to target certain people groups and try to reach them in building our church? We're going to be the church of the now and present crowd. We, we want all the Broadway stars and we want all those people. And there is a church in Manhattan that is specifically known just for that. This is where if, if you want to come and become a Broadway actor or actress, you want to attend such and such a church in Manhattan. Because that's where you're going to, you can make connections after service. And see, we're all Christians, even though, uh, you know, you might have to do some pretty ungodly things to have your part. Uh, and, and whatever you do on Broadway may, may be pretty vile, but we're all Christians and we're doing it for Jesus. Whoa! Do you see the contrast that's going on here? And, and by the way, when it says vile raiment... It's not talking about a homeless person because you wouldn't have them sit under your footstool. Do I need to go any further on that one? Because the stench would drive you out of the building. I mean, this is not what it's talking When it's talking about vile, it's talking not about dirty. It's talking about things that are undesirable. I mean, it's talking about Clothes that look like they're 30 years old. Only they haven't been tweaked to make them look like they're nice. You know, people get old stuff. And it, Does everybody understand? We're all on the same page so far. I hope so here. But here's what the Bible says. You become judges of evil thoughts. Why? Well, I like that guy. I don't know if I like that person. Is that how we judge? That person will be able to really help our church. You ever heard that person sing? Man, we can't wait to get them in the choir. I'll be real honest with you. There have been very few people of any great talent at all that have stayed very long in our church because they found out something. We weren't interested in their talents. We've had opera singers, I mean real ones, attend our services. But since we didn't rock and roll for Jesus, 
by the way that he made a living doing Frank Sinatra on cruise ships. Uh, that kind of lifestyle is not conducive to what goes on in church. He wasn't comfortable here. We're not here to respect persons. We're not here looking for who's going to... Oh, this person there, they could really help out our church. No. That's, nor are we on the other one, other extreme. Whoa, wait a minute. This person's only going to cause trouble. Let's run them off now. I've, heard pre- I've had preachers tell me that. That person's only going to be trouble. I'm just going to run them off. That's not my job to run anybody off. If they leave because of the Word of God, it's going to make me sad that they've left. But we don't put bars on the doors to keep people in here. We're not playing mental games. It said, listen, you're going to become, when you respect persons, when you look at one person versus another person and say, we only want this kind of person in our church, you become a judge of evil thoughts according to the Bible. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't judge. Don't become a judge of evil thoughts. Let's read on. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which He hath promised to them that love Him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You see what James is saying? This is the kind, when Jesus says, judge not, this is what he's talking about. He said, don't stand there and try to size people up and judge their value and their worth to God. You let God take care of that. You minister, you love, you have compassion on And James is actually jumping ahead in our text quite a few verses. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, how would you like to be treated when you walked in a church? That's how we ought to treat every person that walks through those doors. We could work on that. Amen? In fact, we need to. Don't think that just because we have one person handing out bulletins with title, the greeter, that Sunday, that that's all we need to do. Introduce yourself. Make friends. Talk to people. That's a good thing. Don't. The Bible says judge not. This is one of the things that we're not supposed to judge. Let's go to James chapter 4. Just flip a page or so here in your Bible. We're going to read verse 10 last, but let's start in verse 11. Speak not evil, one of another, brethren. 
He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? Now, we read these verses here. Now, let's go back and get verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Do you see the answer there? The answer is verse 10. When we sit in judgment of other people, what are we saying about ourselves? I'm better than you. I've seen people who used to struggle with certain sins meet someone who is struggling with the sin they got the victory over. You ought to just get rid of that, brother. That's not a problem. Well, wait a minute. It might be a problem for them. I've heard stories of people who walk into church, get saved, throw away their cigarettes, and never touch them another day in their life. I've heard stories of other people who struggle every day of their living life just not to do it again. And you can name the sin. We had somebody bring a rum cake to one of our dinners. The person who bought it, I'm sure, had no idea that it was. I didn't know that it was. It didn't smell. It didn't look any different than any of the other nice things at the bakery. But guess who found it? Somebody that had a real problem with, guess what? Alcohol. Pastor, this is rum cake. Did you know that? I said, get it in the kitchen quick. Get that piece off your plate, too. Listen, if you think you're above something, I'm warning you, you are in dangerous territory spiritually. We walk around in and this is something that gets easier to do as a church grows bigger. I mean, for the first 12 years or so, uh, it just couldn't happen because we had a different group of people every six, eight months. Uh, I mean, we've had a few that have stuck on, but new people move in and people move out, people move in, people move out. Somebody said, well, really, when you start a church, you've you got to start it three times. You'll have at least three completely different churches before you get a stable group that's going to say, I, I, I think he missed the number by five or six, at least in our instance here. But as we get more stable and more people come, it's going to be easy to start turning an eye one direction or another and start comparing ourselves with each other. And what's going to happen? The easiest thing to do to make yourself feel better is to find somebody else's problem. And that come in, boy, I'm just struggling with life. Well, at least I don't have their problems. Wow, this is pretty good. 
That is not biblical encouragement, may I warn you. That's exactly what's being spoken against here in this passage. And when Jesus says, judge not, what are we supposed to do when a brother is overtaken in faults? Galatians chapter 1, we're supposed to come alongside them and help bear their burden and restore that one. If you are busy seeking first the kingdom of God, you're not worrying about tomorrow. If you're seeking His righteousness, you're not worrying about everybody else's problems. We want to be a place where you're going to get help to live for God. And the more help you get to live for God here, the more desirous you're going to be in wanting to come to church. And the more you're going to want your friends and relatives to come with you. And when they see God change your life, that's going to be the key that drags them along with you. Amen? Listen, there's only one lawgiver. Let God's Word do the judging. There are things that are wrong. If someone is living in sin, it is our job to admonish that one and say, this is what the Bible says. In fact, let me just warn you, this has happened on a few occasions, but praise God it didn't get very far. Because God's given us some spiritual people in our church. Now, don't go out saying, Pastor said, I'm spiritual. That's pride. That'll get you in trouble. But one of the things that the messengers of the devil always uses is they'll come in and they'll start saying, you know, that really wasn't. 100% 100% correct. Let me, let me explain to you what Pastor really meant when he said that. Boy, you hear somebody doing that. And it's not because I'm 100% correct. Never have claimed that. But when somebody wants to start correcting things to you, what are they doing? They're saying, he really doesn't know what he's talking about, but I do. That's, that has happened. And someone came and said, Pastor, so-and-so said this. Oh, really? They said, let me go talk to them. You know, if they really have a problem, they ought to talk to me. And so I went and talked to that person, and guess what happened? They never came back. And it wasn't because I was mean. I'm the nicest guy in the world. No, I just explained to them what the Bible said. If you want to know why I'm so irritated with the Moonies, the followers of the Reverend Sung Young Moon, because that's one of the guys that tried it one time. There's nobody more corrupt, theological bereft, just total nutcase than Sung Young Moon. I mean, the guy does belong in an asylum. There's one lawgiver. There's only one Word of God. We're not here to argue about God's Word. We're here to obey it. And as we struggle to encourage one another to obey God's Word, 
guess what we're not going to have time to do? Nitpick everybody else's problems. Amen? We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to let each other know. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. He will lift you up. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 14. Get ready. Now, usually around Christmas time, last year I did not do this, which means I'll probably need to do it twice this year, so we're getting started now. Um, We'll get out Romans chapter 14 and explain that if you think that it's some horrible thing to celebrate Christmas in your home, don't run around nitpicking everybody else and don't get mad at me if I say we're going to sing some Christmas songs, all right? Uh, it, it gets ridiculous here. Look in verse 14. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea... He shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, And no man dieth to himself. We're supposed to live for each other. I've been in churches where this spirit of judgment has gotten in. And you have one person over here that won't talk to this person over here. Because they've judged them. And you know what this person over here does? Well, if that's the way you think, I'm just going to go on doing it to make sure that you're offended. And that happens in marriages. It happens in every place where you get human beings together. Could I give you ladies a bit of advice? You cannot submit to your husband while you're judging him. Boy, did it get quiet awful quick. It just doesn't work that way. And by the way, guys, if you want to be a real husband, don't do a lot of things that's going to make your wife judge you. Amen? Get a little bit of intelligence here so that we can move in the right direction. But this is what Romans chapter 14 is talking about. We don't live to ourselves. We don't die to ourselves. If you want to judge something, here's what you're supposed to be judging. Uh, verse 13. Oh, let's get verse 12. Not for, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. 
Now that's how we're supposed to be judging and that's what we're supposed to be living. Let's make sure that our life is lived in such a way that we're not causing other people to think or be hindered, think wrong things or be hindered in their desire to serve God. Sunday school. We're going to talk about Hophni and Phineas. Their great sin was they made people abhor the sacrifice to the Lord. They made people... Oh, no. i got to worship God. I can't stand those pre-sons. How many times have people used Christians as an excuse not to serve God? This is what we're supposed to be judging. And we better be careful. Listen, if you're a vegetarian, that is your decision. I'm not a vegetarian. I read a lot about meat in the Bible. Until I get a cardiologist and he tells me I can't eat anymore, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, Because God meant for us to enjoy life, not to spend life nitpicking about all these little things. Somebody went around, I don't know if anybody saw it here in Astoria, all over the sidewalk in blood red paint, all these vegan messages. Did anybody see that on the sidewalk? Meat is dead. Well, I certainly hope it is. I don't want a living cow in the kitchen. Or a beef steer. I mean, just try to get a steak without killing the thing. Uh, I'm sorry, that'd be, a, that'd be an awful thing. That's not nice to the animal. It's not nice to anybody. I want it to be dead. But... Uh, I mean, just, we get all these crazy ideas that somehow I'm going to be more spiritual if I do something. doesn't work that way. I'm going to be more spiritual if I love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to be more spiritual if I stop trying to find out everything wrong with everybody else. You ever met anybody who was just looking for a reason not to like you? I better give it to you now, because you're going to find it for long. That's a judgmental spirit. And let me tell you, you don't get any victory. You'll never please the judge. Because once you fulfill all their requirements, then they just change the requirements. Because a judgmental spirit is someone who puts themselves in the place of God, which means they're worshiping themselves. And as long as they're doing that, there's absolutely nothing you can do to please these people. But church ought to be a place that's a haven of protection from that kind of spirit and attitude because it is foreign to Bible Christianity. Amen? Let's skip down to the last verse here. 
or let's do the last two. Hast thou faith? Faith, have it to thyself before God. Happy is the man. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing he which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is of sin. Now, I've had people look at this verse and say, See, Pastor, right there, I have no conviction when it comes to rock music. It's okay for me to listen to it. Wrong. That's not the type of judgment that's being talked about here. If you have no conviction about rock and roll music, singing about all the dirty things they do and all the evil things that the rock stars do with their lives, you better get right with God first. Amen? Hello? Are we in the right church? Okay. If you like your dirty movies and you have no conviction, that means it's okay for you to watch them, right? Wrong. It's not talking about sin here. It's talking about keeping from offending other brothers in Christ. No one should live their life in such a way that just purposely offends people. I know a preacher, 90% of everything he says is just because he wants to get in an argument with somebody about it. That's why we don't mention names and bring books and things into our church that would promote this kind of spirit. Because it's not meant to be here. But we've also got a group of professionally offended Christians. They, they go around and they're offended at everything and everybody that doesn't live as good as they do. Now listen, here again, we've got pride going both ways. We've got to watch this thing. It better be of faith, and faith cometh, what? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you're going to tell me that something is good for you to do in your life. I want to see chapter and verse in context. And by the way, if you only have one verse, it's not in context. It's got to agree with others. Amen? And there are some people that just do things differently than we do. Now, I don't, just personal, I don't appreciate clapping in our services. I, I don't like it. And so I've done my best as pastor to discourage that in our church. But you know, there's some other churches where they clap all the time. Now, if you happen to be in a church where they clap, don't sit there and look down your nose and say, We didn't do it this way. And if somebody from a church that claps all the time comes in and... Amen. And that has happened. Don't everybody go. You can guarantee that person's not coming back. We, 
we need to pray about this thing. Amen? And ask God to give us the right spirit so that we're not judging the wrong things. The first place where we judge is in our own souls. That's what this whole passage of judgment is about. And by the way, there will only be one time when you won't have to judge yourself. That's an eternity future. That's after you pass from this life into the next. So get busy. But be careful. God doesn't want you spending your whole life looking at you with a magnifying glass, trying to find every defect and flaw so that you can serve God better because you're not serving God any more than the man who's looking at everybody else with a magnifying glass. When Jesus said, judge not, all these things that apply to other people apply to yourself as well. We're not supposed to be judges. We're supposed to be obeyers. Amen? That's where we're starting. Lord willing, next Thursday night, we'll show how the things we are supposed to judge. There's a lot of verses in the Bible. It tells the Christian, in fact, we're going to just go down a few verses, and Jesus is going to say, by their fruits ye shall know them. And I heard somebody said, I'm not a judge, I'm just a fruit inspector. Uh, Wait a minute! The fruit inspector is a judge! But you see, the one is true judgment, the other is false judgment. There's a difference. Amen? God wants us to judge things. But He wants us... Well, we'll get into that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this night. And we ask, Lord, as a church, I believe I can pray for the majority of us here that we really want You to put within our hearts this type of spirit where we're not judging someone because of who and what they are. That we're not speaking evil of other people because they don't agree with us. That, Lord, we would be judging our lives that we would make sure that we live in such a way as not to be a hindrance to others. Lord, I ask that you would help us to humble ourselves and put within us that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that would grab a hold of us and warn us that we are wasting our lives judging others and finding others' faults. Lord, that we're really acting like insane people do. Lord, please warn us. Help us. Give us that spirit that we are to have where the Holy Spirit will have freedom to touch every heart and life that walks through these doors. We ask you to do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just have a verse or two.